0: Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you got to see me today. I know you've been dying to say that all morning long. Do you love him? Come on, go ahead and give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. He's worthy of all the praise. I want to speak to you for just a little while today on this topic, suddenly. Would you say that with me? Suddenly. Have you ever had a suddenly happen in your life? Have you ever needed a suddenly to happen in your life? I want to take you on a journey today. And what my hope is, is that by the end of this message, I'm going to relate to you how that sometimes in your darkest moments, God will provide you with a suddenly. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Psalms, the sixth chapter. We're going to start with the first verse. And what I want to do is just walk you through this. This is David and he's crying out to God. He's, how many of you have ever messed up before? Anybody in here ever messed up? If you don't have your hands up, you just messed up. (laughs) Because you haven't, you, you haven't lived without messing up. You know, you're not going to get through life without failure, but failure doesn't have to be final. Failure is only final if you just refuse to get up. So you just have to keep moving forward. Everybody say, I'm moving forward. So David's had a, Then this is a man that's after God's own heart. He's, He's had a mess up in his life, and now he's relaying to God what he's feeling. And aren't you glad that you serve a God that you know can hear your cry? Yeah. And so listen to what David says, verse 1, O oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. David doesn't say don't rebuke me, because he that loveth his son chastiseth him betimes. That's the King James version of saying, if you love your children, you're going to correct them. So David's not asking not to be corrected. He's just saying, please don't do it in your anger. How many of you, you know, my dad, I, 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 there were times that I've got, I got spankings. Not recently, but, but times that I got spankings and, and, and my dad spanked me, you know, and, and there were there just... There's one time in particular, and that's really all I can call to mind, that my dad spanked me in his anger. And I'm telling you, there's a difference. (laughs) My sister had an ink pen in her mouth, sucking on it, laying in the middle of the floor. And I don't know what I was thinking. I reached over and popped her in the mouth. And when I did, I shoved that ink pen in the roof of her mouth. Everybody say, you needed a (laughs) whipping. <laughs> That's what my dad thought too. He, she pulled that ink pen out. And her mouth is bleeding, and you know, it, I mean, it scared me probably as bad as it did her. And I'm like, oh, you know. And, and dad, dad saw that, and he took his belt off. And brother, when he whips it out with one swing, he didn't just, he didn't, you know, feed it out. It was, <laughs> and I knew. I was in trouble. And honestly, if I'm going to be truthful about it, that's the, that time my dad whipped me too hard. It it left marks on me, but he was angry. So David is saying, I'm not asking you not to correct me because I want to know you love me. I'm just asking you not to do it in your anger, God. Not to, not to chasten me in your hot displeasure. How many of you have ever known when your parents were upset? Wave your hand if you can remember that, when your parents were upset. You know, Debbie, the, the, the kids make, make, you know, when we have family gatherings, they talk about Debbie and they say, boy, I, I, I remember, man, whenever she was, you know when they we were in church, and if they were acting up or something, you know, and Jonathan talked about um, you know she'd be playing on the piano you know, and she'd see him in the in the seat, and they were acting up, and she'd be
1: <laughs>
0: and I guess it was kind of like you know that thought that nobody else could see that, you know, but they knew they knew what was coming, and the more they did it, the angrier she was getting because she they found her in a place where I can't reach you. Let me just share with you. There's no place you'll ever go where God can't reach you. So David is is asking not for him not to be corrected, just not to do it in anger. Now now listen to what he says. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I'm weak. The word weak there means sick. He's literally sick. How many of you have ever done something that made you sick? You know what I'm talking about? Just you did something and it made you. Did you ever throw... A rock, not thinking it was going to hit that window. And as soon as it hit that window, you're just sick. You're, oh, man, oh, God, please let it hail right now and knock out every window so dad will never know it was me. Just, you know, he's, he's sick. He's literally sick. Part of his sickness, I mean, this is a, a physical thing, but part of what's causing it is because of what he feels in his heart. And I'm going to show you that. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I'm weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. What's he saying? He said, man, I am hurting. Now listen, the third verse, he said, I am sick at heart. It's one thing to be sick in body, but it's another thing to be sick at heart. When all of a sudden you start feeling like God doesn't love you or God doesn't care, And the devil will try and bring that fear to you that James sang about. And it'll tell you all sorts of things that are lies. Because God does care. But what happens is we focus on our failure instead of his grace. We focus on our weakness instead of his strength. And when we do that, it makes us sick on the inside. Look, there have been times that I've just felt, you know, like, oh God, I can't, you know what I'm talking about? It's just, you feel like you're doubled up and, and, and David's going through that. And he, he makes a statement, I'm sick at heart. How long, oh Lord, until you restore me? I want you to hear me because nothing can get rid of that feeling in you. There's, do you understand? There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. God doesn't condemn you. He convicts you to bring about change. But what happens is when we focus on it, it becomes condemnation for us. And so he's wrestling with that. And he literally says, how long, Lord? Because he knows he can't free himself from the way he feels. How many of you have ever had a, I'm not asking, don't point fingers, but how many of you have ever felt bad towards someone? Keep your hands down. You know what I'm talking about? You you had bad feelings towards someone and and you knew that you couldn't fix that yourself. You can't change what you're feeling and you need God to show up. And so you say, God, how long? Please come and, and, and heal this. God, come and restore me. And so David's saying, how long? Now listen to what. The result of all this is, the the result of his having done wrong, the result of the condemnation, and the result of feeling sick in body and heart. He says, I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred by my grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. You ever cry yourself to sleep? You don't have to raise your hand on that. but you ever cry yourself to sleep? you ever walk around? You know how we are. How are you? Blessed of God, favored, highly favored of the Lord. And on the inside, you're falling apart. You put on a face, but inside you're hurting. And when there's nobody else around, and when you're all alone and you lay your head on a pillow at night, that's when the dam breaks. And the tears come, and the river begins to flow, and it's a process of literally emptying yourself out. And he said, "I've we- I've sobbed, I've soaked my bed with tears. I've, I, it's become like a a river. i I've just." And he said, "And then he said, my eyes are they're, they're, they're weak because of my enemy. What what's he saying that that?" My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of my enemy. Because he's looking for mercy. He's trying to find God. He's trying to find restoration. But everywhere he looks, there's someone pointing a finger. I wonder what the woman at the well felt like. You know what I'm talking about? She went to the well at noon, not in the morning when all the other women went. But she waited till noon. I think the reason why is because she was tired of all the finger pointing. What number are you on now? Is this number five? Oh. She can't never hold on to a man. We need to get her some super glue. She just, she just you know, she, just, she can't get it right. Don't you know that after, who wants to go to a place like that? Who wants to go into a place? That's why the church is a healing station. It's not a place of condemnation and finger pointing. You know what's wrong with you. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say that. You know what's wrong with you. You, we We don't have to have people tell us what's wrong with us. We know what's wrong with us if we're honest before God. What we need to know is that there's a God that can fix us. There's a God that can make it better. There's a God that can bring restoration and restore life to us. So David has poured his heart out, he's done all of this, and then something happens that's amazing. You hear David's cry, he's begging God not to not to chasten him in his hot displeasure, not to correct him in his anger. He's saying, man, I'm hurting and, and my soul aches and, and I'm crying myself to sleep at night. He goes through all that. But in the midst of his prayer, something happens in David's heart and there's a transition that takes place and it shows up in the next verse. In verse 8 he says, go away all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. Do you understand it means something to get up from your prayer knowing that God heard you? David's saying, look, I don't have to wait to to see it happen now. I know the answer is already in the progress. I know he's already working it out on my behalf. And so he begins to declare faith. He says, let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. David said, there's a suddenly getting ready to come into my life. There's a suddenly that God is going to bring me. There's a suddenly that's going to change everything that I'm experiencing, and it's going to turn it around. Do you know what the word suddenly means? It means in an instant, in a wink of an eye. David knew something about suddenly. He'd watched God do it before. Think about it. David has already been anointed to be king. A war breaks out between the Philistines and David's left to tend sheep while his brothers go to do battle. You need to understand something. that Just because God spoke something in your life doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. Amen. I got, when I was 15 years old, I was in Chicago. A guy called me out of a line, prophesied over me and said, your job is going to be to stir the church. And I thought, this guy's got the wrong person. My brother heard that. He was pastoring a church at the time, and he asked me to preach the next Sunday. It was the most miserable experience of my life. It almost ruined me. I almost didn't become a preacher. I got up trying to preach. Praise God. My hands sweated, my legs were shaking. And I thought, God, if this is what I'm supposed to do the rest of my life, just go ahead and take me to heaven right now. (laughs) The call was true, but it wasn't time yet. When it became time, it happened suddenly. I was still remembering that experience after I'd met Debbie and I went to their church and her mom and dad told me, said, we want you to, get up and say something and I freaked out I said hey I'm preaching man I I ain't no. and they said they had wisdom they said no 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 we're we're not asking you to preach we just want you to testify God is my witness when I got up and I thought well I can testify I can do that I got up and when I got up suddenly something happened to me And I'm saying things, and while I'm preaching, there's a part of me that's saying, what is going on, man? I'm having an out-of-body experience. It's like I'm hearing myself talk, but I'm thinking, that's not me. Suddenly, you know when it's God. You know when it's not something you've worked up or you've conjured up or you've dreamed up. But when God enters the room, suddenly things change. David had experienced it with Goliath. Here he is anointed to be a king, but he's not king yet. They go off to war. They leave him home, tending the sheep. He gets sent to the battle. And when he gets sent to the battle, all of a sudden he walks up and and he sees this giant coming out. And David feels something. and, And he says, who does that uncircumcised Philistine think he is? Now keep in mind, Goliath is not Wilt Chamberlain. Everybody said, who's Wilt Chamberlain? He is not Shaquille O'Neal. Are you with me? Let me get in your generation. He is not an NBA player. This man stands nine feet and nine inches tall. He is so strong that the spear he throws the metal at the end of it weighs 15 pounds. Now, you say, you, you say that and you think, well, that, you, it, it, that's nothing. I did this. I tied 15 pounds to the end of a broomstick. Picked it up. You, try, you tie 15 pounds to the end of a broomstick this long and pick it up back here. That guy handled it like it was nothing. The armor he wore weighed 150 pounds. His armor weighed more than David did. And so David walks out, sees this guy, and he feels something come over him. And instead of people rallying behind him, his brother begins to confront him. His brother looks at him and said, "What are you doing? You know you. I know how hot shot you want to be. You think you're hot stuff. Who'd you leave those sheep with? Why don't you go back home?" He belittles him in front of that entire army. I'm telling you, don't let your enemies, don't let what people say get to you. You've got to rise above it. You've got to understand that if God is for you, who, my friend, can be against you? Don't give up. You're getting ready to experience a suddenly and can I tell you that Eliab was singing a different song when David walked out in that battlefield and suddenly he took off Goliath's head and was carrying it back do you understand that God's got a victory with your name on it he's already foreordained for you to win the battle you just gotta show up suddenly God does it suddenly. There would be a time in Scripture where there's no prophetic word. A time when there's no prophet speaking. A time when there's no word being declared. And it became known as 400 silent years. 400 years. That's older than most of us. 400 years of hearing nothing. Look, I went three months in my life one time where I felt like the heavens had become brass. And those three months were tough. Trying to feel God, trying to find God. And and it was during that time that you just walk by faith. You're not walking now because you can feel it. You're walking because you believe it. You're walking because you trust him. You're walking because you believe him. That's what caused David to declare that script, those passages that he's going to make my enemy ashamed suddenly. He believed it. He hadn't seen it yet, but he believed it. 400 silent years, God knew that we were going to need a suddenly. And he promised this one in the book of Malachi, the third chapter in the first verse. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight, in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And he fulfills the promise. After 400 years of silence and angels announcing a birth, <laughs> and angels telling them not to fear because there's been a Savior born in the city of David. And what did the scriptures say, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What are you saying? God knows that in your darkest night, you need a suddenly. He knows that there are times that you walk through when you need a suddenly to show up and he's promised to give you one. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the age. You're never going Going to find a time when you're walking without God. You may find a time when you're not feeling God, but you'll never find a time that you walk without Him. For the Psalmist made the statement: David said, "If I ascend into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, Thou art there." Don't you ever think that because you're going through a trying time that God's not with you. He showed up before you got there to make sure you come out. (laughs) Everybody say suddenly. So Christ came. He walked. He he, he performed miracles. and, And man, everything that we believe for, everything that we hope for was happening. And then they crucified him you ever have your hopes just die in a moment? Die in an instant, you know, when you're scratching off that lottery card. Oh! Another loser. I'm just playing with you. I don't scratch. And I don't circle either. I know some of you think, oh yeah, he punches. <laughs> when all of a sudden you your hopes are gone, day. Sometimes it happens young in life. You're dating someone, and you think they're the love of my life, only to find out that they found someone else to love. Sometimes it happens when you're trying out for a team, and you know you got the part, or or you're trying out for a play or a production, and you just know that you've got the part, but it's given to somebody else, and, well, and everybody knows you're better. (laughs) And so you're just in a low spot. All of a sudden... A phone call comes, and your dreams are shattered, and you're trying to recover, you're trying to find your way through, and in the midst of that, God's still reaching out, saying, I'm with you. Jesus died. The hopes of Messiah seem to die in the hearts of the disciples. But Jesus promised them a suddenly, but he told them, you're gonna to have to wait for it. He said, you go to Jerusalem and you wait and some power's gonna show up <laughs> and you're going to become witnesses extraordinaire. <laughs> and so they had to go to Jerusalem and they're waiting, turn around, look at you and I said, but brother, I don't like to wait, or maybe sister. I don't like to wait. Go ahead and look at them and say it. I don't like, you know it's true. I don't like to wait. They delayed my plane again. Where are you? I'm waiting in here. Tired of this mess. Can't they get their stuff in order? How come I have to sit around and wait all the time? How come they can't ever get anything right? Right where are you, honey? I'm in a traffic jam. Praise God. (laughs) GPS isn't working. It routed me this way. I don't know why it didn't know there was traffic up there (laughs) waiting. Or how about this one? This is one of my favorites. Hello. Yes. I, I need to talk to you about what I'm sorry, but our representatives are currently busy helping other customers. But if you'd stay on the line, your call will be answered in the order it was received. I mean, why don't they get some music you want to listen to? Really? You know, you're going to put me on hold and then make me listen to... You know why they do that, don't you? They want you to hang up so they don't have to deal with you. And just they, they just hang up. Just put something on there. You know, it's either listen. Honest to goodness, man, I've heard it from both spectrums. It's either that, da, 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 or it's on the highway. Well, never mind. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's the extremes. It's kind of like, look, if you're going to make me wait, at least ask me what I want to listen to. <laughs> Give me a selection. But they don't. You're you just sitting waiting. But sometimes waiting's worth it. Because the Bible said, and suddenly there came a sound out of heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the room where they were at. How many of you know they were glad they waited for that suddenly? And all the cloven tongues of fire set on them. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And in that moment, they were endued with the power that he promised them. <laughs> Do you know why I ate spinach? Because of Popeye. Not because I liked spinach, but because I watched Popeye. And I was waiting for my suddenly to come. My sister was, this is a true story, my sister was picking at me at my grandparents' house. And grandma had spinach in the kitchen. She kept picking on me. She was two years older than I was. We were little kids. I hadn't grown up. I hadn't caught up with her yet. She's picking on me, picking on me. And I said, you wait right here. I ran in the house and I got me some spinach. I'm eating spinach. I walked out. I said, come on. They lied. Either that or I didn't wait long enough. But there was a day that the spinach kicked in. And then I just wore her. No, I didn't. I didn't. She quit picking on me. Hear me. When the devil sees that you're going to wait it out, when he sees that you won't run, you're going to find out that he's not so apt to pick on you anymore. We, we don't like waiting, but sometimes the wait's worth it. How many of you have heard that song, He may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. Ask the Apostle Paul about that. They they sailed to Philippi. And when they got over there, there's this, you know, they're sharing the gospel with everybody. And, and man, things are going good. And there's this young lady that's running around and she's got a spirit of divination. What that meant is she could tell the future. You know, I don't know if she had a crystal ball or what it was, but it was a demonic force. And, and they were, the, the guys that had control of her were using her for profit. And she's running around following Paul and Silas, going, Oh, these men are the men of the most high God. And they've come to show you the way. I'm going to promise you, you start doing that to me. (laughs) And I don't care what you're saying. (laughs) Paul just got tired of it. You know, because one thing, you have to consider the source. I mean, this is a woman that's known for her sooth, for her, yeah, for her fortune telling. She's known as carrying a spirit and now she's running announcing that they're men of God. That's not the type of person you want announcing you're a man of God. And Paul turned around and he rebuked that spirit and it left her. And she couldn't do it anymore. Praise God. Made her masters mad. They took Paul and Silas out, stripped them down and beat them with rods. Beat them. Beat them. See, sometimes we forget that sometimes our walk with God is not void of pain. How many of you have ever felt like you've been beaten? You ever felt like you've been through it? They beat them and threw them in prison. Silas, this is his first missionary journey with Paul. He's probably thinking, I knew I should have went with Peter beaten I can see them in my mind's eyes they begin to wake up and stir from that beating and they they did not treat the wounds on their back. I mean they have laid they have laid gashes in their back with these rods and they're bleeding and bloodied and bruised and and they wake up about midnight saying what's up God No, they woke up, and at midnight, they started singing praises. Well, actually, before midnight, they're they're singing praises to God. And as they sing praises to God, all the jailers are listening, and and the prisoners are listening. And, And they hear these guys that have just been beaten praising God. And the Bible said at midnight, suddenly... There came a great earthquake, and it shook the foundations of that prison. It threw the doors off their hinges, and it caused everybody's chains to fall off. Not just Paul and Silas, everybody. Are you ready for a suddenly in your life where it affects everybody around you, where it's not just you getting a breakthrough, but your family and your friends and your those that you've been praying for? Suddenly, he may not come when you want him, but when he comes, he comes suddenly. He comes in an instant, in the wink of an eye, suddenly. There was an evangelist friend of mine that was preaching in St. Louis. Missouri, and he put up a tent. People were getting saved, and one night, there was a note that was pinned on the tent that said, tomorrow night, this tent comes down. They started service the next night, and he was sitting on the platform with the pastor, and all of a sudden, he saw three men gather outside that tent. And the pastor looked at him and said, what are we going to do He said, you stay here. God's going to handle this. And he started to walk out of the tent and some of the brothers inside the tent got with him, started to walk. He said, you guys stay here. God's going to handle this. But preacher, don't you just stay here. God's going to handle this. He walked out to where those three men were and he said, what are you men doing? They said, preacher, we're getting ready to take this tent down. He said, no, you're not. He said, people underneath there. You're not touching this tent. God is my witness. They took a step toward him and suddenly he felt the power of God come over him. He reached out and touched those guys on the head and they fell out on the ground. They didn't come up for a blessing folks. They just hit the ground. They jumped up, looked at each other and took off running the other way. God's got a way of suddenly showing up. Somebody said, oh, I don't know, I don't know, you know, can God do that? Well, I mean, do you believe he made the world? Suddenly, suddenly, let me give you another suddenly as I get ready to close today. You see, life isn't always fair. Sometimes things happen to us that we didn't ask for. We're faced with circumstances that we did not put our order in for. We find ourselves surrounded instead of with a host of friends. Sometimes we're just isolated and we feel all alone. That was the case of a young boy. He was 11 years old. Everything had gone south for him. His mom left him with his dad who was an alcoholic and abusive. And he went through it. He went through it. And he thought, is anything ever going to change for me? Years went by. And it seemed like nothing would happen until one day he had a suddenly... About
1: 10 minutes, I guess. You didn't write this song in 10 minutes. It took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You know, I've never told anybody my story. When I was uh, 11 years old, life was tough. Where's Mama? She's gone. She don't want me no more. And no! she don't want you neither. What are you running from? My dad I didn't write about it. Let that pain become your inspiration. I have some stuff I need to sort out. You hungry? I set the table. What is this? I want to make things bright. You and me. My dad was a monster. And I saw God transform him. You have a gift. Real gift. I didn't think that God could do that. And so I wrote this song for my dad. you can know.
0: the song to Amy Grant. Amy Grant had heard the song and it touched her so much she was going to record it. She was at a concert getting ready to debut the song he wrote, and it would become her song. And while she stood there getting ready to sing that song, she felt the presence of God suddenly come on her. And she never, they played the intro, but she never started singing. She called him up out of the crowd. And she said, this isn't just your song. This is your life. This is your moment. Take it now. And he came forward and he sang that song. She gave it back to him. In a moment, God suddenly changed his life. That song went triple platinum. It's the most requested gospel song in the world to this day. Do you understand that God took all of his sorrow, took all of his pain, and he turned it around. His daddy found Jesus, and he found his way home. February 2nd, 2017. He stood and told his story to the president, the vice president, the members of Congress and members of the House, and world leaders. God gave him a suddenly. God wants to give you one too. Would you stand with me? I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know what you're facing. But I know a God that can suddenly change things. How many of you want to suddenly in here today? This is what I want you to do. If you want to suddenly, I want you to come to the front of this building and stand with me right now. Suddenly. Suddenly. I know what it's like for God to heal suddenly I know what it's like to have someone leave this world suddenly and what I discovered is that when those suddenlies take place if you'll look for God you'll find him that young man had run away from home. He had left. He came back and couldn't figure out what was going on with his dad. was completely different, but his dad had had a suddenly. I don't know what you're facing, but I know a God that's more than able to see you through. Listen to me. The Bible said that it rains on the just and the unjust. You didn't do something worthy of all the pain you're feeling. Life just happens. The problem is, is we're letting life happen without Jesus. And he wants to change you suddenly when God got a hold of me it happened suddenly I didn't go I'm just gonna be honest I didn't go to church that night to get saved I went to see the show (laughs) but suddenly I felt something that I knew was real no matter what you're going through right now no matter what you're facing no matter the thoughts the feelings God wants to apprehend them. Remember fear is a liar. Do you know why sometimes the fight is so intense? It's because God knows you're on the brink of your breakthrough. If you just hang on, if you'll just hold on, it's getting ready to change. pastor i was going to wait and preach this next week but i want to share it with you today i just feel like i'm supposed to sometimes we get to the point where we feel like well everybody knows us and and you know to to make a change now would be so difficult it would be so hard dwight d eisenhower was the president of the united states when he went into a service and heard the pastor preaching on the importance of taking a stand with God. I believe it was three months later he was baptized while he was president of the United States. Suddenly. Do you know what that says? It says, that God's more important than your position. That God trumps everything. That He's more important when we let Him be. When we make Him. So, this is what I'm asking you to do right now. I want you just to stretch your hands to heaven with me. I don't know what your name is, but let me just, you can stay where you're at. I just want to say something to you. I, when I was looking at you, I'm just going to tell you what I was hearing that she's been through a long, dark road. And there were times that you felt like walls were closing in on you. Am I telling you the truth? Now, I don't know you, so the only way that I could know that is God loves you so much that he wants you to know that those walls are getting ready to come down suddenly, suddenly. Would you stretch your hands to heaven and love him with me right now? Thank you, Father, for what you're doing for her right now thank you that she's going to feel it today marks the first day of her suddenly in Jesus name thank you father thank you father come on give him a hand clap of praise he's worthy stretch your hands all over the house today I want you to get ready to receive your suddenly Now, it's important you hear what I'm going to say. Now, when I was an evangelist, I'd walk through here and I'd pray for everybody. But I want you to hear something. I can still do that, but I need you to hear this. What happens when there's nobody there to lay hands on you? Does that mean that God's not there? No. He's still there. But, Tune, sometimes it's just the touch of a hand that we desire to feel just like that leopard that had been ostracized from everywhere at one, and everywhere he went he had to yell I'm unclean and when he did people ran from him but one day he saw Jesus <laughs> and he started yelling unclean and everybody ran except Jesus <laughs> and suddenly things changed in his life because Jesus stepped toward him he could have just spoken but he touched him because the man needed to know that he's loved he's valued and you are
1: too thank you jesus you come like a flood i like
0: going love i reach up and get a hold of your suddenly. let god do it for you right now You don't have to wait. He wants to do it now. expect him he shows up sometimes when you didn't even have him on your mind he shows up sometimes right after you got done telling him off and what you thought he shows up puts his arms around you and suddenly everything's changed let him do it right now let him do it right now I here's here's what I want you to get I want you to learn how to reach out and bring God into your world because oftentimes we're walking through life but we're not experiencing His presence because it's just a study to us. There's a reality to God that supersedes anything you've ever experienced in your life. And I found it in my darkest moments when I would reach up and say, God, I need you right now. Suddenly, my world changed. I wonder if you do that right now. Would you just reach up right where you're at? Say, I believe in you, God. I believe in you, God. I, I trust you, Lord. And I'm inviting you right now to come into my world. today. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. you to do get ready to let you go before I do this is what I want you to do I want you to reach out and get somebody by the hand would you do it get someone by the hand right now this is what I want you to say to them now you may have to say this twice but I want you to say to them I'm leaving my stuff here
1: I'm leaving my stuff
0: and I'm taking my suddenly with me in Jesus name come on now give my hand clap of praise in this house yes Lord, hallelujah God bless you today walk in the power of his presence and know that he's already ordained for us suddenly to happen in your life in Jesus name